Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we'll unlock the book color, a natural history of the palette. You may have seen a video like this online. People who were born colorblind received a surprise gift, a pair of glasses that correct colorblindness. The moment they put on the glasses, they immediately burst into tears. They never imagined that the world which had always seemed monotone was actually so colorful. Their reaction reflects the most primitive human emotion. Humans' admiration for colors can be traced back to the mysterious cave paintings done by our ancestors who lived in ancient times. Throughout human history, people have racked their brains for how to extract various colors from flowers, ores, and even corpses. People's desire for color has a rich and long history. Carmen was once a prized item on the luxury market in Europe, the competition for indigo caused conflicts between countries. It is difficult to imagine that the British Empire on which the sun never sets was once shaken by mere pigments. Because people are so obsessed with color, it seems reasonable for some countries to protect their dye-making techniques, even if they need to use force. Color a natural history of the palette takes us on a brand new journey of color exploration. Following the theme of color, this book tells many stories and leads us step by step through the history of color's development. You'll see how Carmen comes from the blood of the cochineal, a parasite living on the desert cactus. These little bugs once caused competitions between countries. Royal purple comes from tears of the sea snail, and the story behind it is both romantic and cruel. As for the brown paint on a painter's palette, it may have come from the mummified ancestor of an Egyptian. Just like this, this book gives us a whole new understanding of color through interesting stories. The author of this book is Victoria Finlay, a British writer. When she was a kid, she fell in love at first sight with the blue stained glass in the Chartres Cathedral. Little Finley learned from her father that the technique in which the stained glass was made 800 years ago was already lost. Little Finley had believed that humans were always making progress, but her father's answer about the Chartres Cathedral's glass shifted her perspective. Since then, Finley made up her mind to rediscover beautiful colors that had been lost to history. Her passion for color allowed her to seek out the origins of different colors in dozens of countries around the world while also collecting valuable materials to increase our understanding of them. Her descriptive and narrative writing style makes the book all the more interesting to read. Now let's follow Finley's steps to explore the world of colors. We'll unlock the book in the following three sections. Part 1, Neutral Colors. Part 2, Warm Colors. Part 3, Cold Colors. Ever since humans were able to distinguish colors, different colors have been given different meanings as non-linguistic signs. But have you ever wondered, in terms of human culture, what is the first color in the world? If you've read some art history books or seen some documentaries on the origins of civilizations, you may be familiar with ancient cave paintings. Mysterious as they are, their themes are rather simple. Most of them depict hunting scenes, or simply different kinds of delicious prey. The famous bison paintings in the cave of Altamira in Spain are an excellent example. Researchers believe that they were created during the Paleolithic age, around 12 to 15,000 years ago. 
Most importantly, those cave paintings are mostly red. Specifically, they are painted in ochre, a color similar to iron rust. It is darker than the red that we generally think of. It's the color of many pillars in ancient buildings in eastern countries like China and Japan. Ochre is also the name of the clay from which the color is made. The specific amount of hematite in the clay give ochre its color. It was the first color paint in the world. Colors can reflect the cultural characteristics of people in different times and regions, but more importantly, they can carry certain spiritual significance. People discovered early on that they could paint with the very bright color of ochre. Native Americans painted themselves with red ochre so the white colonists called them Red Indians. To the Native Americans, red ochre symbolized the good spirits of the world. They believed that it could shield them against the evil spirits, and it could also protect them against the cold and insects. Many indigenous people around the world have the custom of painting their whole bodies with bright colors. The author found that in Australia, indigenous people living in the north of the country would smear ochre on their children's bodies to teach them to be a nice person. When boys in the northeastern part of Arnhem Land become adults, red ochre is indispensable in their coming-of-age celebration. They paint sacred tribal patterns on their chests with ochre and masks over their faces using white clay. Also, in several places in Australia, North Africa, America, and Europe, covering dead bodies with red ochre is a funeral tradition that has lasted for thousands of years. Because ochre was the most sacred color in human history, disputes over ochre mines among tribes often devolved into ochre massacres. Scientists have also wondered about people's fascination with ochre. They don't understand why they would fight for it at the cost of their tribe's existence. Numerous scientific studies have tried to find the answer. Some scientists suggest it was a kind of primitive cult. People might have believed that by painting their bodies in bright colors, they could not only play gods in rituals but also actually incarnate them in the earthly world. Some other scientists prefer the explanation that ochre represented the color of human blood, so it might symbolize death. Or as ochre might be related more specifically to women's menstrual blood, it might also represent the potential of new life. Another more innovative explanation says that, as the iron element in red ochre was somewhat magnetic, it guided our human ancestors and the indigenous people to sacred sites. In short, Studies and interpretations of this first colored pain in human history are ongoing. If you're interested in learning more, there are many books that further explore this subject. If you find ochre mysterious, then you may find the next colors that we will discuss amazing or even unbelievable. Black is often excluded from the other colors by painters, and is regarded as a non-color. But we treat it as a color anyway in our daily lives. Finley hesitated to include black and brown in this book at first. But after knowing the stories behind them, she too was deeply amazed. Many painters prime their canvas with brown paints or charcoal, so that the bright colors layered on top can appear milder and more vivid. In another example, ancient Chinese literati spent quite some time preparing their ink by grinding an ink stick against an inkstone with a small quantity of water. Literati and scholars in ancient China all preferred to use black for their calligraphy and paintings. Black was regarded as a symbol of their social status. In ancient China, only commercial painters used bright colors when painting. They were lower class people hired by the ruling class. So, 
Black is indispensable and even a status symbol in ancient China. The most widespread source of black is charcoal, of which willow charcoal is considered to be the highest quality. Leonardo da Vinci used willow charcoal for his drawings. In fact, willow was most often woven into containers. In the mid-1950s, there was a British businessman called Percy Coat who was in the wicker business. However, sometime between the two world wars, wicker baskets made of willow were replaced by those made of plastic, so his company PH Coat was facing bankruptcy. Just as he was at his wit's end, he saw a piece of burnt willow falling out of the fireplace. He picked it up and scribbled with it. A new business idea was born. Afterward, he did lots of experiments and found a way to make the charcoal adequately black. His company then started to manufacture charcoal for drawing. Nowadays, almost every classroom in Britain has a box of PH Coats charcoal. There are many other stories about the use of the color black. For example, painters in the ancient Middle East applied black around the contours of their characters' eyes the same way people apply eyeshadow today. However, the material they used for the eyeshadow was an alchemical metal called antimony. The Europeans saw eyeshadow as simple decoration. But in Asia, it could serve as a spiritual protection or health cure. In the Middle East, it was a religious symbol. While in India, it could arouse sexual desire. Black can be made from charcoal as well as from a mineral called graphite, which is used more often as a lubricant in the military industry. Graphite mines used to be heavily guarded, because the huge profits brought in by the graphite business determined the destiny of the nation. In the 17th and 18th centuries, the graphite business generated a lot of revenue for Britain, giving it a substantial edge on national defense. The operation of graphite mines was classified similar to military bases. Each worker in the graphite mine must be stripped naked and inspected after each shift. Any oversight might cause exposure of the graphite secrets, which would put the whole nation in danger. Black paint can also be made from vine twigs or ivory. The most notorious black paint in the 17th century, the so-called bone black was even made from human corpses. But in reality, the bone black extracted from dead bodies was indeed brown. After the 18th century, brown ink was often made from sepia, the secretion of cuttlefish. But one kind of brown called mummy was indeed made from real mummies. Accordingly, it smelled like garlic and ammonia, and it was rather pasty. Paint suppliers at the time would make brown paint from mummies when their official paint supply ran out. A special recipe was created. A business secret that must be well hidden. Finley shared an interesting story about mummy brown in the book. A righteous painter was so shocked and upset when he realized that his paint was made from corpses, that he gathered all of his paint tubes and gave them a decent burial in the garden. After hearing the disturbing story of brown, let's now talk about white. What images does white bring to mind? Some say purity and cleanness. Some say beauty and nobility. These are all true. But people usually overlook one feature of white. Poisonous. White paint is often made from chalk, zinc, barium, rice, and fossilized sea creatures in limestone graves. Lead white is the most unique white paint. Its formation required workers to shave thin slivers of lead over a bowl filled with vinegar. The chemical reaction that happened between the two would leave a white deposit of lead carbonate. 
The workers then powdered it, flattened it into little cakes, and left it to dry under the sun. The Dutch way of making lead white was called stack. Clay pots of lead and vinegar were lined up. Then buckets full of fresh manure would be heaped around each pot to produce the heat needed for the generation of lead carbonate. The entire process required three months of stagnant heat, gurgling excrement, sour wine, poisonous metal, and foul stench. Finally, the purest and cleanest white flakes or scales were born on the metal. Lead white was not only used for painting. It was unfortunately also used for makeup, attracting women who wanted to look more beautiful. In the 1870s, a lady wearing the Bloom of Youth Foundation appeared in fashion magazines. While many men wondered who this lovely lady was, she was putting her health at risk for beauty. Since lead white is poisonous, after prolonged exposure to it, people would feel tired, nauseous, and develop a series of behavioral disorders accompanied by kidney failure. The book also tells the story of a woman who died from lead poisoning due to frequent daily use. Sadly, a pale and gaunt face was regarded as attractive during the Victorian age. After hearing these exciting stories, you may find yourself more interested in the world of colors. Let's review what we've covered in the first part. We first talked about ochre, the first color paint ever used and the most symbolic color on earth. Then we talked about how black and brown were previously used as a base for oil paintings. One important source of black is charcoal, and the modern charcoal used for drawing was developed from it. Graphite is another key source of black, but because graphite could also be used in the military industry, it is a crucial national resource. Similar to black, brown was widely used for painting, so people developed various techniques of making it. The most offensive source of brown was dead human bodies. There were even special recipes for creating the mummy paint. White paint was most often lead white, which is produced by mixing lead, vinegar, and manure. Lead white was used by women for makeup, even though it also took a heavy toll on their health. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.